We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is a mess. This is already a mess. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Holy, Holy Hour. Hour. I'm Amelia Sampson. And I'm Liz Ball. And we're recording and we're- remotely. <laughs> this is such an event. Liz, would you like to tell everyone why we're recording remote? Yeah, we're recording remotely because I finally got the Rona. Um, I made <laughs> it, it two years without getting it. I'm fully vaccinated and boosted. So I read that breakthrough cra- cases, like if you've whatever order you like if you end up getting like COVID before you were vaccinated or like you get it after and that's considered a breakthrough case you have what is considered um super immunity (laughs) oh hell yeah you're like a superhero yeah so I'm entering the summer with super immunity so I can do whatever I want (laughs) fuck yes Um, yeah um Liz and I were working on the, the little studio backdrop in my place. I know. I'm so sad. <laughs> I know. Well, we're so excited to show y'all the backdrop, but um, she went home and tested and had had the Rona. So we'll see if I end up getting it. Yeah. <laughs> On Friday, I took a test just to be safe because I thought it was allergies and it came back negative. And then two days later, Amelia, so one of Amelia's friends goes to my gym and she was like, hey, did you know he has COVID? And I was like, shit (laughs) I just got a notification and I'm not feeling great so I'll take another test and like literally instantly it was like yeah you have COVID (laughs) the home test did you tell your iPhone that you have COVID because I got a notification like right Mm -hmm. after you texted me yeah they're like you've been exposed I'm like that's probably yeah it was me (laughs) I sent out a notification to everyone I was around Everyone should do that. Anyways, the way that the structure for this episode is going to work is we have our like remote banter that we're going to do our best to do because to no one's surprise, recording remotely can be unpredictable. <laughs> it sucks. Um, and then uh, Amelia's going to have part of the episode to talk about whatever she wants. And then I'll have another part of the episode to talk about whatever I want. But the beginning half or third 
<laughs> maybe half yeah. i don't know is gonna be our, our usual dicking around so i know amelia you have something for me yeah yeah i read a fun fact that i like two days ago that i was like oh my god i can't wait to tell liz this so you know the you know the macarena yes do you know what it's about no it's not a dance okay. i thought it was just a dance that's what i thought but so macarena is a girl so the song is about a girl named macarena who cheats on her boyfriend with two friends while he's being drafted into the army okay can you fucking believe this yeah so if you read the lyrics i'm gonna read them to you give your body joy macarena because your body is meant to be given joy and good things (laughs) macarena has a boyfriend who is named um who is named with the last name vitorino and while he was being sworn in as a conscript she's giving it to two friends (laughs) so fucked up this is ruined the macarena for me i thought it was like fun family wholesome family fun that's so interesting Mm-hmm. Huh. I know. Well, good and, for like, her. Good for you, I'm Macarena. I'm thinking back. You know what? Yeah, Get except, yours. Like, also, like, what if Macarena's, whoever's Vitorino, what if he was a good dude? He didn't deserve it. He didn't deserve Macarena's wrath. Mm-hmm. It's, it's ruined everything for me. My, um. I'm thinking about it playing we, at, like, childhood things. I was just, so that's what I was just about to say. So my nanny in japan used she's the one that taught me the macarena when i was like three or four and i was thinking about like how many songs we've listened to growing up that are just like inappropriate so not kosher yeah (laughs) like that milkshake by kellis song i used Mm -hmm. to sing that like on the playground kellis is that how you say it Uh uh-huh my milkshake voice. I used to sing it. Yeah, and I didn't know what a milkshake was. I remember when someone told me, I was like, you're not saying actual words right now. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I'm Now I'm thinking about a, a song of my childhood was Who Let the Dogs Out. Oh my god, yes, and that's about ugly women. Really? <laughs> yes. I literally thought it was just about dogs. I thought... Yep, because... I know. And they used it in like dog like children's dog movies, but mm-hmm. it's about dogs like who let the who let the ugly women out. Jesus Christ. Uh, did the I know. Did it's... the Baja men have any other songs? Let's look. I'm going to look on Spotify. I was actually yeah. just thinking that because that was like Baja men. Um <laughs> I bet like their top 4 songs are who let the dogs out. Yeah. Okay, so who let the dogs out has 90 almost 93 million plays. Okay. But then their next most popular song only has six million. <laughs> what so, what is it? What's it called? I feel like they that, had more than one. Best years of our life. Oh, never mind. Oh, okay, yeah. No, no, no. Um, move it like this. It's like, can you move it like this? I can shake it like that. Yes. That's what oh that song is. Oh my god! Is. I didn't realize I was the Baja man. I knew wow, they, they had, That doesn't have. They, I knew there was one more. One other bop. They, it only that one only has two point five million plays. That's surprising. Oh wow, gosh. there's a lot of Baja men. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There are nine Baja men in that little band. Yeah, that's far too many Baja men. That that's that is about five too many Baja men. I was I was under the impression there were like three or four Baja men. Baja mas. 
There are Mas Bajas. See. Okay. Um. So anyway, I was just I was just floored about the Macarena, and I had to bring everyone down with me. That is very shocking. I'm glad that you uh-huh. told me that. I am too. I feel better now. And it's like you know, getting it getting out of my mental and and getting it out into the open has healed me. And and like learning about uh the Baja men too. I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. Wild. There you go. There, I'm happy to be nine providing education. There's nine of them. They sing about ugly women, not dogs. <laughs> That's so mean, so, but also kind of funny. <laughs> it sucks. I told you a little bit about this before we started recording. Today I met with our psychiatrist and I was we were discussing my medication management because um, I'm thinking about adding something else to my regimen. But I told her I've been trying to track my cycle um because i saw this video where a woman was explaining like when a lot of people who experience pmdd which is just i can't i I don't know what it stands for i can't think of it it i think it's like i have this right here yeah it's like um very severe pms essentially um it's premenstrual dysphoric disorder yeah so I, you know, I'm not, I don't know if I have PMDD, but it was still informational because I have a uterus. So after we ovulate, our estrogen just plummets the second half of the month. So I was starting to track if my, you know, depression was coinciding with the second half of the month when that happens. And I told my psychiatrist this and I was like I started changing my like supplement routine a little bit based around that and I upped my Lexapro a little bit and she was like I have tons of clients who do that based around their cycle so like the second half of the month is when you would be feeling your lowest um so like typically people ovulate around the 14th or 15th day and then up until you are on your period again is when Um, that second half of the cycle is and then you slowly build your estrogen back up so she was like you should definitely experiment and I love having a psychiatrist who is very empowering in that aspect of like if you're I'm the one who's in my body and she trusts me to know how I'm feeling so she's like experiment and see if taking a little bit like you know 0.5 milligrams that second half of the month is helpful for you because I noticed a huge difference this month just doing that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's really helpful information. I feel like these things, I mean, obviously, like, don't make those changes until you talk to your provider, but, like, mm-hmm. it's it's shocking that those things aren't made obvious to us because, like, of course, like, our, our hormones and our chemicals are going to be, like, different in different parts of the month. And so, like, these chemicals we're introducing into our body would be reacting differently yeah and but it's just like surprising that nobody tells you that I know and I was that's exactly what I was thinking I was like I'm 30 and I'm just learning this <laughs> about mm-hmm. the second half of my cycle and um you know now that my like anxiety and depression is under management it's kind of like okay so why do I feel like shit the second half of the month and then experimenting with that. So that's just some fun, something fun to think about, you know, think about your cycle and how changing your medication throughout or considering adding supplements, like if you need extra iron or protein during certain mornings, like just being aware of that. 
and trying different mm-hmm. stuff. So I just wanted to share that. Listen to your body and don't let anybody tell you that you're being ridiculous. That's my bottom line. So I wanted to get your reaction to, I was just kind of scrolling through Reddit to see if there's anything interesting for us to talk about. And okay. this prompt, it's it was posted on, what subreddit is this? It's just the Ask Reddit subreddit. And someone said, what was the moment you knew your relationship was over? So I thought this might be interesting. I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. what are we going to find? And <laughs> the comments are like not super interesting. Um, and then a lot of them are like, when she came up on the caller ID and my first thought was, uh. And then the comment under that is, I had a similar feeling in my first marriage. I'd come home, turn on our street, see her car already in the driveway and have the same feeling. Uh. And then so, <laughs> the comment under that, it says, once a month, my ex-wife would have to work one shift that was two hours later than her usual. On a normal day, she'd get home about 30 minutes before me. The days she would work late became my favorite days because that meant I actually had a chance to relax and unwind at the end of the workday instead of immediately having a dump truck of negativity unloaded on me when I walked in the door. Holy shit. And then someone replied to that. Man, I know about the dump truck of negativity when I get home from work. It's like she stores it up all day, and when I park the truck, it triggers the deluge. Everybody else gets the nice, friendly, funny, helpful version. I get the negativity. Sometimes I ask her to talk to me like she would a complete stranger. Doesn't go over well. But that's marriage, especially once you get past 20 years. I fill that role for her, and she gives me companionship and is a great partner when I need her to be, for the most part. I keep my stress and worry largely to myself, probably why I had a heart attack and triple bypass. Still, she moved out to the middle of nowhere in the woods for my dream. I understand she has dreams too, and I hope they come true. <laughs> and the oh, comments are, like, I just can't believe that there, that so many people are just like, yeah, I fucking hate my spouse. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? Don't it's be like, together then. Right. I mean, like, it's, it's, so the whole thing about, like, being, like, relieved when you see that they're, like, not home yet so you can have some time to, like, unwind. I feel like every married couple goes through that to a degree, you know? Because it's like, okay, I just want to, like, go home and just, like, be by myself for 10 goddamn minutes. Like, I feel like even really happy couples are just like, I just need, like, a little bit of fucking time. That's, <laughs> you know? And that's perfectly reasonable. I would, like, everyone wants yeah. alone time. But, like. Totally. But then, like, the dump truck of negativity and, like, that being a whole piece of it is just, like, Jesus, fucking. What? Yeah. And anytime, you, like that. anytime you see their name on your caller ID, you think, uh. Yeah. Mm-mm. That. Yeah. That's not. That is not a good sign. It's just. It makes me. It also makes me really sad. Like, how would these people feel if they saw their spouse talking about them like that? Oh, my God. I would. Mm-mm. I mean, like, the first time I ever went through my ex's phone, which I would I would not, don't be in my DMs, I'm not going through anyone's phone now, but in college, when I went through my ex's phone, I saw that he was talking to his ex-girlfriend about me and how he felt like the relationship was just already over, he was just kind of, like, bored with it, and yeah, and that alone I mean there was like an aspect of it of like talking to his ex about it It was just like what the fuck you fucking shady fuck but then like I can't even imagine the extra step of like posting it publicly and just like 
stumbling on it, you know? Because that's pop. Like, what if she's on the Reddit thread forum? How do I don't know how to or talk like, Reddit terms? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> or <laughs> or like you know, just logs into his computer or phone or yeah, whatever. Yeah, anything like that. that fucking blows well even you seeing your ex talking to his ex about you about how he's like i'm just bored with this relationship it's already over like that makes me so sad that yeah because it's not uncommon Uh -uh. and i just i'm just like begging people to have an ounce of self-awareness like if that's how you actually feel then let this person go Like, you're wasting their time. You're being really selfish. Like, they could be Mm -hmm. so happy with someone else and you are taking up that space because you're afraid to be alone. And if that's not actually how you feel and you do want that person to be your partner, then understand that how you're behaving for attention is because you're dissatisfied with yourself. Like, (laughs) You're not going to be able, like, getting approval and satisfaction from another person is never going to fulfill you. I'm getting so worked Uh up. (laughs) I'm so And you know what the kicker is about this whole thing, too, is that that was six months into our relationship, (laughs) and that lasted for eight years. Um, (laughs) He did clean up his act, but still, like, the fact that I stayed with him after reading that is like, girl, what the fuck was it? What was that? I mean, when Um, we're young, we make a lot of excuses for bad behavior. That's so, that's so fucking true. I was, this is the best part of the story is that we were on a date and I was looking at his phone while he was sitting across the table from me on this date and I saw this and then I had to, like, hold it in. It was, like, the most blatant, like, I was just, like, sitting face to face with him just like going through his phone and he didn't know what I was doing um so he was a little messy about that but yeah seeing that shit fucking sucks I could tell you and I are very different because at that age I would have thrown his phone back in his face and been like what the fuck is this Mm -hmm. yeah I feel like me now I feel like I probably would have been a little bit kinder to myself but then I just like played like, I just, like, gave him the cold shoulder. We were, like, in a cab on the way home, and I just, like, wasn't saying anything. And then we got back to my place, and he was like, what's wrong? And then I brought it up. I'm like, Amelia, that, you you don't need to be passive-aggressive in those situations, Amelia. Be aggressive-aggressive, girl. Yeah. Have conversations. Just but repeat anyway, um, what he said. Learn. Just be like, I don't know. Yeah, I just, just feel like this relationship's already over, and I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kind of over it. Like, uh, well, um, if you don't feel that way, that's funny because you said that to your ex yesterday. <laughs> I wanted to talk about uh, the limb lengthening. Have we talked about that? Oh, like the guys breaking their femurs? Yes. You can get limb lengthening surgical treatment to make yourself taller. (laughs) So men are getting that done. I can't remember if I saw it on, I think I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, it's just like disgusting how they do it. Do you want me to read it? Yes. Um, This is on a children's hospital website. Limb lengthening stimulates bone in a patient's leg or arm to grow longer. We do this by surgically cutting the bone and attaching a device that slowly moves the two ends of the bone apart. As the space opens up between these two ends, new bone grows to fill the gap. And so stuff like that, that's for like people who are born 
with like some form some type of deformity where they're like trying to correct yep. limb length so they're the same length <laughs> and so people yeah. can like walk and stuff and now people are doing it so they they can be taller I think I did see this on TikTok because the guy was like it took like a year for him to be able to just walk again yes yeah you can't it you have to learn how to walk again and then it, you can't run normally like ever again yeah <laughs> I and I just wonder at like at what point is that worth it? It's not. I mean, it's really sad, especially for guys that are like like I'm looking at this picture of before and after. Oh my god, seventy six thousand dollars surgery is what seventy um, six insider says. Seventy six thousand dollars. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this guy is five eleven in this picture, and now he's six one, and so he went through all of that just to get two, two more inches, inches taller. Back. Just wear heels. This is what I mean. It's, like, I feel like talking about, like, short men and, like, shitting on, like, no short guys is, like, easy and, like, low-hanging fruit and, like, we've all done it. But, like, it is body shaming in a sense because it's, like, they can't do anything about it. Like, men... Yeah, no one can do anything about their height, but I also think that we should be aware that, like, (laughs) the reason that women will be like I want a tall guy is a result of like patriarchy it's not a result of women wanting taller guys it's a result of men wanting small women and infantilizing Mm. them (laughs) damn that's an important call out like men have created all of these things that make women look younger and smaller and more petite and like all of these things that infantilize women so the the other end of that is then women are like yes I want to feel small and petite so I want a tall man because amen though it's just like two things that have been created based off of like something completely stupid in my opinion absolutely and I mean like those are also like I mean there's like biological components of it of like you know, wanting, like, a big man to, like, protect you and, like, be, like, the protector and the provider of the family. And, like, I think that it's totally fine to, like, have a type. Like, I like tall guys, you know? But, like, it's not, like, I like tall guys and fuck short guys, you know? Yeah. Like, that's that's where the line is. Just, like, don't be a dick about people's bodies. I just don't think that it's that difficult. Like, it doesn't, it does not, like, it doesn't affect your life in any way when somebody is, like, heavier than you or, like, way shorter than yeah if someone looks a way that you don't like i don't know if someone exists you it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't affect you it really really doesn't it's how they appear is none of your business (laughs) but like god getting your fucking femurs broken so you can be two inches taller i know in what universe fucking sucks it just makes me sad it does me it Um, makes me sad too so this is called Bizarre Threesome Story for the pod. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Greetings, ladies. <Important> distinction. <laughs> First off, thank you for the weekly laughs and for being great company on my Friday drives. My humble offering for you today is a story that popped back into my head after your recent threesome episode. This story is not mine, but it comes from a gal who I dated last summer who will call Lexi. Lexi was browsing on Field, F-E-E-L-D, an alternative dating app for kinks, threesomes, etc., and matched with a profile that was two Italian guys looking to do a DP. <laughs> and then he said, Mamma mia! He said, Double penetration. 
<laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Um, one, in e- one in each downstairs entrance. This will become an important distinction later in the story. The two gents she matched with will call Italian Stallion number one, who spoke some English, and Italian Stallion number two, who only spoke his native tongue. Since, I already love this. Since DP was on her sexy bucket list, Lexi decided to go for it and meet up with them. She showed up at their place and chatted with the two stallions for a while. Then things started to get spicy. When clothes were off and they were all about to get it on, Italian stallion number one said he'd actually like to do DVP, double vaginal penetration, instead. Since this was not what they originally had discussed, Lexi put a pause on things for a moment. After a brief discussion with Italian stallion number one, it became abundantly clear that what his true intentions were, he had arranged this entire rendezvous in hopes of doing a DVP so that he could have some sexual contact with Italian stallion number two. Unbothered by this conversation happening right next to him, number two sat and scrolled on his phone while number one delivered a dramatic confession to Lexi. Not only was number one deep in the closet, but he was also madly in love with number two. But look at him. He's so beautiful. He shouted across the apartment while motioning dramatically towards number two. DVP was the closest number one could get to number two without explicitly stating his feelings for him. Lexi had prepared herself for DP and was not comfortable doing DVP, especially with this very odd dynamic, so she decided to pack it up and leave. I sincerely hope that Lexi gets to fulfill her fantasy if she hasn't already, that Italian stallion number one finds love, and that Italian stallion number two finds some situational awareness. Thanks for reading. (laughs) Oh my god. Amelia's had her hand over her mouth for like the last three paragraphs (laughs) i have so many thoughts about this story like part of me kind of hopes that like they were like um this was like role play for them like they were actually like lovers italian stallion one and two and like italian stallion two actually did speak a little english but it was like fun to pretend that he didn't Mm -hmm. so they could like act like it was you know what i mean like i could create some sort of like story here in my mind that makes this like kind of cute <laughs> but like not for Lexi. Like that's like a little like <laughs> maybe like bring Lexi in on that like little like deal. Um but like I feel like just double penetration like not DVP but double penetration. There's like that's... a little bit of sexual contact that's going to happen anyway. Like you're going yeah. to you can like I don't know, like feel up on each other. You know, I don't know. There's like ways that you can do this without it being like, you know, DVP. I don't know. This is fucking like, I can't even imagine. Good for her for like packing up and shipping out because like that would have been a difficult situation to leave after this guy just like unloaded his entire heart on you. Yeah, it's it's so I, I can't believe he went to those lengths instead of just being like, I have feelings for you. Right. He must be, like, down bad. Like, down yeah, I mean, the baddest. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, like, And I'm I also sure think it's, it like, is. a little... I think it's a little slimy to do that, too. Like, if that's oh, your whole... Yeah. That's not really consensual at all. If your whole thing is, like, because you specifically just want to get close to this man. Yeah. And you're using no. a woman as a means of doing that. Like, that's... Like, at least he was honest with Lexi. But still, yeah. there's just, there's not enough consent happening. 
No, 100%. Yeah, that is not, that is not right. That, that's a lot to put on someone. Oh, yeah. Like, to be like, but in the moment. Hello, stranger. I'm in love with this man. <laughs> I'm trying to use your vagina but, to get close to it. Like, the, but when they were setting up the interaction, like, if the other one doesn't speak English and they were, like, in a group text, then, like, Italian Stallion 1 could have been like, hey, so here's actually what's up. And I just want to let you know that this is, like, what's going on before wasting her time. Mm-hmm. Or by or up. even say like he wants he wants to have double vaginal penetration. You could say that explicitly in your like right dating profile or whatever. Especially on field where like they're every like not everyone the majority of people on field are like down for the cause. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like they're there be for open a reason. and honest. That's why, that's why they're there. So I thought, man, that, oh man, that was just like a. I was cracking up while I was reading it because I was like, what a plot twist. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. The best plot that, twist. That is, what a fucking story. Thank I, you so much for sharing that. I hope he eventually shared his feelings. I, yeah, I wonder. I, ho- I hope he did. I'm, I was going to say, I don't know. I know Italian is like very, very Catholic. Like they're very religious mm. over there. Um, And I don't know if they're like, you know, like, I know the Pope is like more down for gay marriage than other popes. <laughs> have been in the past but like i actually i don't know what it looks like over there you know in yeah, terms of me like the, what the environment is like so uh maybe that plays into it but yeah hopefully he's he's living his truth i italian stallion i hope number one and maybe number two you don't know you haven't talked to him about it i would I love if they found love lives together yeah oh, they found love in a hopeless story. place and then they get to tell the story about, like, this, like, field date that they set up where Italian Stallion number one was trying to have sexual contact with Italian Stallion number two. And now they're all, they're, now they're married. I don't know if I would ever mm. confess to something like that. I feel like if I was close enough, the shit that I've confessed to dudes that I've dated. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Like after the fact, 
it's like I once I get like comfortable enough with someone it's like all bets are off I think this is a good place for us to end this first half okay hello all right this is so weird doing it this way but it's an interesting little challenge um so I everything that I write down in my notes of what I want to talk about I always write it like with talking about it with Liz in mind which makes me so sad because <laughs> I don't know how to vamp by myself so I thought that it would be good to talk about some stuff that like has just been on my list for forever that I just haven't brought up because I probably won't since we always have new things to talk about the history of cellulite if you follow me on Instagram, you have seen me preach the good word about this. Um, but it's something I'm really passionate about, especially because like I have hated my cellulite since I was 12 years old. I was at a pool party for someone's bat mitzvah. One of my friends, like my best friend at the time, like looked at me and she was like, oh my God, you have cellulite. And I was like, what the fuck is cellulite? And then like from that day on, I was obsessed with getting rid of it. Like people would tell me I had like a grandma butt. <laughs> which is like so fucking mean to say to like a 13. It's just mean to say, just don't, just, it's just mean to say, um, even to a grandma. If I was a grandma and someone was like, you have a grandma butt, I'd be like, bitch. So that's just like, that's always been a thing that I've been insecure about. And like, I've struggled with disordered eating, like basically my whole life. I used to ask people if they thought that I was fat, um, you know, like my whole life really, which is ridiculous. And like as like an 11 year old, a 12 year old. Refinery29 um, had this article about the history of cellulite and it actually, it changed my life on like in that front, which sounds dramatic, but it's true. But they talked about like how cellulite became a thing that they, that the beauty industry used to um, like weaponize women's insecurities in order to make money off of like things that, a lot of the population had because like they don't know the exact number but anywhere between 80 and 98 percent of women have cellulite that's an insane number that's like for something that like there has been so much like media attention around getting rid of that is a ridiculous number that's a that's the majority of the population and not by a little bit like that's 80 to 98 percent and like there are still all of these like tips and tricks and like you gotta do this and this and drink baking soda and and maybe those things work temporarily but like cellulite isn't it's not a symptom of like something unhealthy so this is the history of it the first time it was used was in a medical dictionary in the 1800s but it didn't have anything to do with dimples or fat it was used to talk about inflamed cells and tissue so it's kind of like um, cell cellulitis, I think is what it's similar to, but it wasn't that. And then this fucking idiot named Dr. DeBeck in 1933, he redefined it to what we know it as today, which is a feminine issue, which of course, like pathologizing women is a great way to make money because focusing on something that 80 to 98% of the the population has and making them feel badly about it is the perfect way to get people to spend money on products and everything is everything is about marketing especially because like during this time and you know still and I know that like I know men have I mean we were talking in the beginning of this episode about like limb lengthening surgeries like we all have struggles with our body, so I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm like dismissing the struggles that men have. 
as well. But just like speaking from my own experience as a woman, like we are being told constantly that we need to change something about ourselves, regardless of what, if it's, you need to have a longer neck, like you need to have smaller feet, you need to, you know, you, if you have like bumpy legs, that means that something's wrong with you. It's like when I was at my thinnest, when I was like sick, my cellulite was the worst that it had ever been. It's, it's ridiculous to have something that people can't help be used as a tool to make companies money. So anyway, his name was Dr. DeBeck, this fuck. In 1963, it made its way over to America. Vogue printed it in a, an edition. Since then, it was like the doctor's offices were flooded with women in America, like trying to get rid of their cellulite. And it has been a multi-multi-million dollar industry. It's not fixable. We didn't care about it until relatively recently. But it's just like ridiculous how like subconscious and automatic the effect that marketing has on us is. It's like, it's terrifying. And these companies have a responsibility and they don't give a, they don't give a fuck. They just want, they want to make money however they know how. And... I think that there are a lot of really great companies that are like doing what they can to push against this. I know Sports Illustrated has been leaning into like all different body types. Aerie has been like the um, American Eagles underwear brand. They're on like a big no Photoshop campaign. You know, I'm sure people have like their things to be said about these companies and like just focusing on body image in itself. Like that's what every company needs to do because it's like the reason that we all want these things that we don't have is because we're being shown it all the time as being the standard for beauty. It's just nuts. Um, I just wanted to, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, go hard on that any more than I already have. <laughs> but I just wanted to uh, let you guys know that because it helped me a lot. I know that there's um, probably a lot of people listening that have felt that way about their cellulite. It's just like the amount of cool shit that our bodies do for us, but we're still forced to like, I don't know, hate it because it's what makes companies money. It's just, it's just infuriating. Okay, so I'm going to take it upon myself <laughs> to do the sex fact of the week because I found this website. I've read a couple of facts from it before, but it's animal sex facts. And for whatever reason, it is fucking hysterical to me. Like, fucking hysterical? Ah! I have nobody here to laugh at puns with. <laughs> I thought that it would be fun to go through a few more of these, but this is from ThoughtCo, and here are some animal sex facts. Male alligators have permanent erections. Talk about blue balls. I don't want to hear it anymore, guys. <laughs> I'm kidding, but no, I'm not. All right, so here's what it says. Penis is very widely across the animal kingdom, but a universal theme is that this organ changes size or shape before or during the act of mating, then reverts to its usual configuration. That's not so for alligators. The six inch long penis of an alligator isn't averted or turned outward by muscles, but by the application of pressure of its abdominal cavity, clearly an essential bit of reptilian foreplay. Holy cannoli. Well, I mean, they're always ready. So good for them. Okay, here's the next one. Antichinous males, there's a tiny, it's a tiny, a tiny mouse-like marsupial of Australia. They copulate themselves to death 
And the picture that they have on ThoughtCo of this little guy makes this fact so sad because they're so cute. <laughs> These guys would be anonymous, except for one odd fact. During their brief mating season, the males of this genus copulate with females for up to 12 hours straight, stripping their bodies of vital proteins in the process and dismantling their immune systems. Shortly afterward, the exhausted males drop dead and the females go on to bear litters with mixed paternity which are different babies that, that have different fathers. Like cats, fun fact, cats, um, you can have different dads in one litter. I'm sure y'all knew that, um, but I didn't. Anyway, going back to the fact, the moms live a bit longer to nurture their young, but they usually die within the year having had the opportunity to breed only once. That is bananas to me. Isn't that kind of like mosquitoes too? It's amazing to me that animals don't have the same, I mean, maybe they do, this is like, you know, but I don't want to like an anthropomorphize like animals, but like th they don't have the same conscience to understand that like death is scary. Obviously they have like their instincts to like run from predators, but if I knew that having sex was going to kill me, I as a human wouldn't have sex. But these little guys are like, fuck it, we're fucking for 12 hours straight. We're going out with a bang, so to speak. <laughs> okay. Male porcupines urinate on females before sex. Donald Trump? <laughs> Once a year, male porcupines cluster around available females, fighting, biting, and scratching one another for the right to mate. The winner then climbs onto a tree branch and urinates copiously on the female, which stimulates her to go into est estrus. The rest is somewhat anticlimactic. The female folds back her quills as to not impale her partner and more routine insemination takes only a few seconds. <laughs> wow. I mean, like, I think I've probably had sex with a few um, porcupines then if it only takes a few seconds. This is the saddest thing. It is so sad saying self-deprecating shit and not having anybody here to, like, pat my shoulder. It's just me. My cat isn't even with me anymore. She's like, I'm over this. Okay, there are so many here, and I don't want to bore you with all of them, so I'm just going to read two more of my favorites. Female chickens can eject unwanted sperm. Female chickens, or hens, tend to be smaller than roosters and often can't resist less than desirable males insistent on mating. Jesus Christ. After the act, though, enraged or disappointed females can eject up to 80% of the offending male's sperm, allowing for the possibility that they might then be impregnated by roosters higher up in the pecking order. Wow. Can you imagine? Their plan B is that they can just push it out. I feel like all of the pro-life senators are going to catch word of this and be like, if you didn't want to get pregnant, can you have just, I don't know, pushed it out? Hens can do it. Oh my god, okay, this is a good one to end on. Male damselflies can remove the sperm of competitors, y'all. So most animals that lose out during mating season must be content with their fate. Not so with the male damselfly, which can use its weirdly shaped insectile penis to literally scrape the sperm of its immediate predecessor out of the female's cloaca, thus increasing the odds of propagating his own DNA. One byproduct of the strategy is that it takes damselflies an unusually long time to complete the act of mating, which is why these insects can often be seen flying in tandem over long distances. Well, slap my ass and call me Darlene. That is amazing to me. <laughs> Just like, nah, I don't want you to have this sperm in you. That, that really, it's like, what if, what, what if this poor female damselfly has just been being scraped over and over again? She's just like, listen, I don't really care. I don't really care whose kids I have. Can y'all just, can y'all just like work it out? I'm, I'm sick of this. <laughs> 
All right, that was so fun for me. I don't know if it'll be fun for y'all, but it'll be fun for me. Oh, I went on a date with Dog Dad. Liz knows this, so that's, you know, it was good. He was really, really nice. Um, I have, it was, it was just like a very normal date. Like I've, I've not been on a date in so long where I'm just like, yeah, it was good. It was fine. So that's relieving. Um, we are going to go out again. Not a hundred percent sure if the sparks were there. First dates are always really fucking weird though. Like, like, I don't know if they're, I don't, it's, it's very, it's tough to know exactly who somebody is on a first date, which is why I have this rule where like, I'll almost always go on a second date unless they like really offended me. But like, he was really cute and it was, it was fun. And he bought my drink for me and people don't do that anymore. I know that I said that I was never going to talk about dudes until the third date and I've broken that now twice. <laughs> but um, this is, if, for those that don't remember who Dog Dad is, he's the bartender that came up to me on my other date and was like, he seems boring. We should go out instead. And I just loved that confidence. So I went out with him. Uh, okay. So that's, that's all that I have for y'all. I love you so much. Um, I can't wait to be recording with Liz again. This fucking sucks. I hate doing this remote stuff. But next week, y'all will be able to see our new backdrop. Um, it's in my office. Liz, it was Liz's artistic vision along with like the neon signs that I bought. So it's cool to see like both of our visions coming together and I'm excited for y'all to see it. Okay, uh, I don't know where Liz is gonna put this in. Either this, this next part is gonna be Liz or it's gonna be us saying bye. But anyway, I love you. Okay, bye. It's your girl, skinny penis. Um, <laughs> I have had one hell of a day. Um, my computer decided it just didn't want to work. Uh, yeah, that's a whole thing. So it's hanging on by a limb right now. We'll see what happens next week. <laughs> I wanted to bring up the advice we gave last week to a listener who wrote in about struggling with um physical touch and having sex and things like that and as I was listening back and editing I was kicking myself for not thinking of this while we were recording the first time but um I I also want to give that listener the advice to practice physical touch and intimacy without the expectation of having sex so if you just erase from your brain that there's any chance that you'll have sex you'll be able to get a little more comfortable with physical touch I personally struggle with that myself of just you know anytime you're intimate with someone you're like you tense up and you're like I don't want them to expect that this is going to turn into sex because it just puts so much pressure on you and it takes the fun out of it and that's not what we want we don't want that. Relationships are so much more enjoyable when you can have that physical intimacy with each other and there is no like looming feeling that you're going to have sex. Also, grandpa is on my lap right now wagging his sassy tail. He is the sassiest today. Um, I have been around my cats way too much (laughs) because obviously working from home, but having COVID, I can't go anywhere. I think we should have a little history lesson. I thought it would be fun to talk about the history of the vibrator. So I got everything I'm about to tell you from helloclue.com. But um, yeah, the invention and history of the vibrator. So the first rumor of a vibrator existing was Cleopatra allegedly put bees in a gourd. And there's actually no proof of this. This isn't like historically true. It's it's a myth. Um, but I like the idea of that, of just like, <laughs> first of all, how did she get these bees into a gourd? 
And then like, would you just shake up the gourd? (laughs) And I don't think that they would generate enough vibrations for that to like be pleasurable in any aspect. But the idea of just like shaking up a gourd full of bees is hilarious to me. Um, But there's also a very popular but historically inaccurate belief that vibrators were made to treat female hysteria because it's fun to believe that. It's It's a spicy story. Hysteria, which originated from a Greek word meaning uterus, um, a Greek physician in the, back in the day, in the BC area, area the bc era uh theorized that women's uteruses were just like flopping around freely inside of them and that caused illness and ailments um so since then hysteria has been used to describe a multitude of ailments in women like aggression fainting nymphomania and farting (laughs) so anything that was just like oh my wife is so annoying and horny that was considered hysteria um And in the 1800s, vibrators were hand cranked, but there isn't really any history of them being used to masturbate or like in a sexual way. So like a hand cranked vibrator, just it was kind of like an egg beater. It sounds really exhausting if I'm being honest. Like if that were my only option, I think I would just use my hand. (laughs) Um, They knew potentially that they could be used sexually, but they were used in other ways, like to try to treat headaches and like all kinds of random shit. Um, So it was kind of like snake oil at that point in that it was just kind of treated as like a cure-all. It'll it'll cure your headaches. It'll stop you from balding. It'll cure diabetes and you'll lose weight. So uh, that's just how it was like marketed. I think that's how literally everything was marketed in the 1800s was just, you know, some guy like a carnival barker outside being like, get your vibrator here, cure your diseases. And that was literally how marketing was done. But the very fun and historically inaccurate belief was that doctors would treat hysteria by massaging women's genitals until they experienced hysterical paroxysm, which is just an orgasm. (laughs) So like their theory was just, if you had female hysteria... (laughs) (laughs) And you massaged genitals until you had paroxysm, like all of the hysteria would come out at once, but it's, it's just an orgasm. (laughs) And there was like a lot of beliefs that like, uh, your energy was made up of vibrations. Like maybe that's where, uh, good vibes stems from. Um, good vibes just means, uh, hysterical paroxysm, which just means orgasm. And I stand by that. Um, And the rumor is that the vibrator was made to help doctors save time because their hands were tired from just massaging so much pussy. Uh, There was a movie made in like 2011 or 2010 or something about the doctor who invented the vibrator and they portrayed it as like women were all in on it. They all knew that it was like pleasurable and they knew it was an orgasm, but these dumb men doctor had no idea uh so women were just lining up for their orgasm appointment and i like to believe that that was the original dick appointment was going to the doctor for your (laughs) weekly orgasm (laughs) sadly the spicy story isn't true and the first time vibrators were used on genitals at all or for like any sort of medical reason was to help men because of course why would anything be made for women's pleasure? It wouldn't be. Um, so it was originally made to like 
treat guys who couldn't get a boner. <laughs> like, I feel like everything that could be used to help women is just used. They're like, should we use this to help PMS symptoms and um, cramping? No, 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 no. Let's market it for men's penises. Um, <laughs> so that's what vibrators were used for on genitals for the first time. And I've said this before, but gynecology and the medical care of women originated as an extension of treatment for men. So like anything like this, like vibrators and whatnot, that they're they're treating men because they're like, oh, my wife is so fucking annoying. Can you help me, doctor? And then they're like, sure. Um, so when did vibrators start to become sexual and sex toys for women? So in the early 1900s, masturbation was seen as obscene and shameful, and there was a law banning any sort of like obscenity, like you, you couldn't market anything obscene. Um, so marketers would use euphemisms to market vibrators, and doctors were concerned that vibrators would be used for masturbating, but they were only worried that men would use them for masturbating because this is like a time where people believed that sex wasn't pleasurable for women, and if it was, there was something wrong with them. Um, and women enjoying sex or wanting sex was so frowned upon that a cure for it was to remove their clitoris. Um, which is my personal fucking nightmare. Like, <laughs> I heard a comedian once say, <laughs> if I don't have my clit, I'm just a glove. <laughs> and that's how I feel. It's just like, it's so important. I need that magic button. In the 1920s to the 1950s, the FDA was like, okay, listen, you can't say everything is a miracle treatment. They're like, cut out this snake oil shit. You can't keep saying that a vibrator is gonna like, cause you to lose weight and like cure you from balding and cure diabetes um and I, so I took this whole snippet just directly from the article I was reading electric vibrators such as the polar club were marketed as superior beauty aids capable of transforming not only a woman's face but her entire body an ad for the arnold vibrator promised every woman can have a flop of a faultless complexion and youthful, finely proportioned figure, adding, there is no further need for powder, paint, pads, or other deceptions. In 1956, the department store Sears produced their own vibrator, which was advertised as giving you that great-to-be-alive feeling. <laughs> In the 60s and 70s, women's sexuality became slightly more acceptable with the invention of the birth control pill and women-only sex education classes that taught women how to masturbate. And in the mid-70s, the Hitachi Magic Wand was created, which continues to be one of like the most popular vibrators of all time, um, which I think, like, who among us hasn't heard of that? And uh, in the 80s and 90s brought us the Rabbit Vibrator, which if you don't know what that is, that's the one that looks like it's doing the two fingers. That's like, look at me. I am the captain now. Um, but what made the rabbit really blow up was it was in an episode of Sex and the City. In some places, vibrators are still illegal. Like in 1998, Alabama legislators passed a law forbidding the sale of any device designed or marketed as useful primarily for the stimulation of human genital organs. The penalty is 
a $10,000 fine and one year in jail. (laughs) I don't know if that's still in place. I would not be surprised if it is. Um, At least two women have been arrested. And there is a Texas anti-vibrator law from 1973 that's still in effect, although in 2008, one judge declared it unconstitutional and unenforceable. So if you live in the South, I hate to tell you this, but... (laughs) Your orgasm's illegal. Um, I mean, that might as well be what they're saying. Uh, Yeah, so that is the history of the vibrator. Um, It's still illegal in some places. Um, And I think they're still a little stigmatized. I've seen a lot of people say they wish men would realize that the vibrator is their friend, not competition. And I totally agree with that. Like, please don't be threatened by a vibrator, anyone at all. Like, toys are, they should be considered, like, accessories in the bedroom, you know? Like, it's just something to up the ante. It's, it's that thing that, it's like a little purse, but for sexual stimulation and pleasure. (laughs) Um, But that uh, concludes my little bit of today's episode, and hopefully, when this airs, I will be COVID free because I'm going stir crazy with these fucking cats, you guys. I, I know. Here's the thing. This is this is amazing. Um, we love vaccines. They work well in that. <laughs> um, it lowered how viral I was, so everyone in close contact with me did not get sick, which I love that for them. But I am so fucking lonely. <laughs> I've just been inside for like a week straight and I'm losing my mind. But anyways, I hope you love this shit show of an episode. Uh, It is entirely my fault. I am so sorry. (laughs) I promise to not get COVID ever again or at least do my best. Um, And I'm going to add our little outro here. Bye. Should we do our little outro? Yeah, let's do it. All right, ready? Okay. We yep. love you, our, our children. children. Watch that be our best one. Maybe. It might be. With my, because <laughs> maybe I can hit the lower notes since I'm sick. Yeah, true. You're a baritone now. <laughs>